You're listening to BC Poly Talk. I'm Daniel Fontaine, the co-host. And I'm Bill Tillman. On today's show, we have David Hutniak from Landlord BC. As you can well imagine, during this current COVID pandemic, landlords across British Columbia are extremely uh, stressed in terms of whether or not they're going to be able to uh, receive any rent payments from. We know right now many uh, businesses and individuals are being impacted by the, uh, the, the numbers of people being unemployed and businesses that are shuttered. Bill, uh, I can only imagine when we talk to David today that he will be expressing a lot of concern on behalf of his members and what's happening to them across British Columbia. No doubt. And as we know, we, we heard news of a million Canadians applying for EI lot the past week uh, and millions more Americans. So everyone who's unemployed has to be looking at their rent check as an enormous uh, Mount Everest to climb. And they do know that the federal government is going to be bringing in uh, enhanced EI or emergency uh, funding of up to 75 percent of their income. So that will help. But nobody has a check in their hand yet. And I'm sure that uh, for a lot of a lot of renters, they'll be sitting there saying, "Well, I can pay my landlord, I can pay my childcare, I can buy food. Uh, the rent is going to be a problem." And I think we're already seeing some of that. But we'll we'll definitely ask David about that. Yeah, we've already gone past April first, which was the first uh, time period when rent was due for many British Columbians, and that would have been a time when a lot of landlords would have been able to have that discussion with their tenants as to whether or not they're able to cover the rent. And as you said, you make a good point. A lot of the money has not, in fact, I don't think any of the money has flowed out yet. So, so many British Columbians are right now relying on their savings, and we all know. I think we've talked about it on this show before that I think Canadians have less than a paycheck away from uh, needing to to borrow money from a friend to, to make rent and buy food and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be pretty dire for many uh, uh, renters as well as for the landlords who rely on that rent uh, to pay their mortgage. And that's what sometimes people forget that um, so many people have basement suites in their in their homes and they're relying on that income in order to pay their mortgage. So there's a double impact for sure. Yeah, and Landlord BC does represent a lot of the small landlords, the small owners who might have one suite or two suites in a building. And for sure, that's one of them. Uh, for others, uh, there are obviously people whose entire income comes from from having rental buildings, uh, rental apartment buildings and others. And so it's a big deal for them as well. And, you know, Daniel, this is, uh, this is one of those times I'll ask David his view, but uh, we've always had from the right side of the fence uh, the old joke, I'm from government, I'm here to help. And uh, it always draws a laugh whenever I use that. But right now, it's true. Yeah, no, right now it's it's as true as it's ever been uh, in our history. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing I'll throw in and, and, and raise with him is landlords have a really negative reputation. I mean, uh, you look out in the community, people say that landlords don't treat their tenants well, etc. And I don't think that's necessarily the case in the vast majority of times. But how will an organization like Landlord BC and landlords be able to get any kind of sympathy or any kind of reaction from government when there is that negative reputation out there? And yet you and I both know that there are, as you indicated, a lot of small uh, family mom and pop and also basement suite type landlords who need that income in order to make sure that they can put food on their table as well. So I'll be interested to hear from him how they're dealing with that and how well they're working with government as they go through the various uh, different programs they're trying to implement. Yeah, and I also want to ask him, uh, not completely to do with COVID, but we've seen some reports recently that Seattle has been much more successful, maybe 10 times or more successful than Vancouver has in terms of or King County, Metro Vancouver, 
in terms of uh, building rental housing. And so uh, I want to ask him about that, why, why they have uh, much more success than we've had here and are there things we can learn from them? Yeah, and while I know that COVID will dominate our conversation, no doubt today, I also am going to throw in the uh, the insurance rates. You and I have talked about how the insurance premiums that were skyrocketing before the pandemic uh, hit, I don't think that situation has gotten any better. So I'd like to, to uh, probe a little bit more with David on that. So we'll be right back with David Hutniak, the CEO of Landlord BC. BC Polytalk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. David Hadnick from Landlord BC, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It must be extremely difficult right now dealing with the enormous pressure of both tenants in the, uh, in the buildings that your members represent and the members themselves, everybody facing a financial crisis, all sorts of people unemployed, the restaurant industry, uh, hospitality, tourism industry, all devastated. I'm sure a lot of those folks uh, and others who are uh, affected by this, uh, hairstylists, you name it, are, are tenants in uh, buildings that your members own. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge challenge. Um, what further makes it uh, more challenging is that, you know, our sector is disproportionately represented by small mom and pop landlords, you know, people with basement suites, etc. They represent easily two thirds or more of, of the entire rental uh, universe in terms of number of units. And, uh, you know, most or many of those folks, um, you know, with a basement suite, they have regular jobs. And so they're impacted by this as well. And so they have a, a mortgage that they need to pay and they're re really relying on that rental income to help them keep their own housing. And, uh, you know, the, the notion of uh, approaching banks for deferral of mortgage payments um, is, is more challenging than say, if you were just a regular mortgage holder and because the bank uh, considers that rental income as, as, a, as an important basis for, for the deferral. And if there's no rent coming in, uh, hugely challenging. So we're concerned for the entire sector, but I have to admit, you know, that those small mom and pops are, are some uh, are, this, are the group that we're most concerned about. Right. And just for our listeners and viewers, could you just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of, of what your organization does and who its members are? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're an industry association. We're a nonprofit uh, uh, society, and we represent owners and managers of rental housing and uh, private sector rental housing providers. Uh, we have 3,300 members. They're from the biggest owners and property managers uh, in the province to, like I said, uh, uh, all the mom and pops. Uh, in terms of sort of the rental universe, this will be uh, helpful. There's about 550,000 uh, households that rent their homes, 30% of the British Columbia population. And uh, needless to say, uh, the, the homes we provide are, are really critical. So David, uh, it's Daniel here. Just, uh, you know, when I, we look at what you've just, I was just looking last night online just to see kind of some of the things you were indicating to the media. And I just checked on a, on a Times call in a story where you said, quote, this is a huge, huge mess for everybody. You went on to say this is about a whole sector that is just imploding. Um, there was quote after quote. So in normal times, uh, you know, landlords uh, typically uh, get the rap that they're not particularly that sympathetic when someone can't pay their rent. And so I know we're in a pandemic now, but is this perhaps maybe just uh, 
uh, inflammatory language uh, from an industry association that now wants help when perhaps it wasn't helping others? Because that's what's out there on social media, people saying landlords shouldn't be getting a break because they don't give us a break when we can't pay our rent. How do you respond to those uh, comments? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's be honest here. The uh, our sector is uh, is not is not the uh, recipient of a, a whole bunch of empathy on uh, at the best of times, and uh, you know, our organization, uh, myself in particular, CEO, we've never been nuanced about the fact that you know um, there are players in our sector who uh, you know do not appreciate uh, what best practices is and their responsibilities. Uh, the vast majority of landlords are good, responsible landlords, just like the vast majority of tenants are good, responsible uh, tenants. Uh, it's a it's a highly emotional relationship, obviously, because it, it involves housing. But the reality is, again, because we're so disproportionately represented by a small mom and pops, uh, this 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 is going to be hugely challenging. And 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 while you know the province has taken some measures, uh, the rent supplement. Uh, you know, it's going to be good for renters, and they've made it abundantly clear that they expect renters to to con- continue to try to pay their rent. Uh, uh, you know, the the at the end of the day, um, this is uh, uh, a sector that's heavily dependent upon cash flow, and so everybody needs to chip in here. And and I think, you know, we have a crisis here. Um, demonizing landlords is not uh, really uh, productive, and certainly. F- terms of the messaging that we give to our sector and have for the past three plus weeks is, you know, talk to your tenants, work with them, find accommodation, be compassionate. Uh, I mean, this is not the time for, uh, for you know, sort of uh, everyone taking uh, a hard stance, uh, 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 you know, polarizing and pitting landlords against tenants. Yeah. Um, David, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, you also are obviously an advocate for the creation of more rental housing in uh, British Columbia and Metro Vancouver. And, and you were quoted uh, not too long ago talking about how Seattle, I think if I get the numbers right, please correct me otherwise, Seattle had created something like 17,000 rental houses in, I think, 2018. And, and Vancouver was somewhere around 1,300, 1,400 by comparison. What, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, what do you see as the differences that would allow Seattle to create so much more rental housing? Well, there's a, there's a combination of factors. Uh, the, the number I think is, uh, that's for the King County. I think Seattle has been producing about 14,000 units of purpose-built rental housing. So these are apartment buildings. And uh, that's in each of the last, since 2015. And uh, I'm not sure what's gonna happen in 2020. Uh, part of it is that their legislative structure is quite different here. They don't have rent control, for example, which you know, has, uh, you know, encourages uh, more more supply. And uh, also, you know, condos aren't uh, as prevalent there. So purpose-built rental as a housing typology certainly gets, uh, you know, more, more traction. But uh, they also have implemented, uh, you know, uh, pretty uh, robust uh, policies, uh, tax holidays, property tax holidays, pardon me, to really incent uh, developers to build rental. And, uh, you know, so they've had huge success with that. And what kind of suggestions would you give to, uh, say, Vancouver Mayor, Mayor Kennedy Stewart or the mayors of the other 
uh, adjoining municipalities here in Metro Vancouver that they could do to make some positive changes. I, I don't think rent control is likely to come off the table and that's a, a big yeah. item for sure. But are there other things that we should be doing here to, to improve the rental stock? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know that this is the, the time to really even get into that, uh, Bill, to be honest with you. I mean, right now we're trying to deal with a crisis here. But ha uh, I will say this, that if we don't, uh, right now, the way things are structured, we have uh, a moratorium, moratorium on evictions. Uh, currently, neither the federal nor provincial government is, is really sort of backstopping our sector in terms of, you know, unpaid rent, rent deferrals, et cetera. So those conversations are continuing. So I think in the, in the context of uh, this crisis and the, the broader implications, it's uh, the viability of our sector is critical so that we have the supply we have continuous because we're at, you know, near zero vacancy rates as it is. And then certainly the part of that whole viability conversation is ensuring that there's a, a you know, a, a business case uh, to continue to build more um, and so that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, has to be included in the conversation, but really right now we're just trying to ensure that people are housed because we have a health crisis here and that, uh, you know, uh, renters and landlords are working together, uh, cooperatively, but, uh, ultimately we're going to need to have, uh, the, the provincial and federal government really, uh, uh, work together here because we see a situation where three, four months from now, uh, there could be huge uh, uh, rent uh, deficiencies, rent debts, basically, that renters will have for deferred or unpaid rent. And uh, we may have a, a legal uh, right to try and collect that, but it's I think it's going to be challenging. And, and so we're going to need to work together with government to really find solutions because that can't, it simply can't be put on the backs of one sector. This has to be a tech, broader taxpayer, a taxpayer funded solution. So David, uh, just looking a bit bigger and going back uh, specifically to the COVID pandemic and how it's impacting your sector, we looked at um, a couple things. One is the federal government uh, has been working with the banks who have indicated that they're willing to kind of defer mortgages. Now, the, the jury's out as to whether or not that's working. We're hearing reports of, I think there was over half a million Canadians have asked for the deferment of, the, of their mortgage payments. But first of all, do you think the federal government and the provincial governments uh, in general have done enough to, to force the banks and to uh, encourage them to look at this deferment to assist perhaps some of your members who who have tenants who may not be paying their rent, and but they still have their mortgage payments that they have to pay? That's the first question. And the second one is around this $500 um, payment. Um, could you comment on that? And I, I'm assuming you'd be happy that the payments are at least coming to you. I'm assuming the landlords would be happy that the payment is coming to them. But that $500 payment, is it enough? Is it going to uh, perhaps change the system more permanently? Are we ever going to be able to go back from not giving away the $500 again? Maybe comment on, on those if you could. Sure. Well, I, I touched on the, the mortgage deferral um, a little earlier, but certainly the, uh, uh, I, I would say w without being overly critical, I think uh, the federal government uh, and uh, and the provincial government really, uh, you know, need to go more aggressively after the banks. Uh, and again, our, you know, it's the small landlord with a basement suite with a regular job uh, is not getting uh, mortgage deferral. 
Okay. And first, the other thing, this is not free anyway. This is this comes with significant costs in terms of fees, interest upon interest. It's you know it's all repayable. So let's that's you know that's that's not really a solution. It's it's a at best an, an interim measure and uh, and has other consequences. The $500 rent subsidy, well, absolutely. I mean, we were advocating, and obviously, Landlord BC was very involved in communicating with the province throughout this process and in, in, in advance of what they announced on March 25th. We, we were advocating very strongly for, for robust renter, uh, renter supports. And we were actually pro uh, proposing the rent bank concept be employed, which, which is a uh, for the full amount of rent uh, for people who, who qualified, it's those are interest-free micro loans basically, and uh, and and or some hybrid version which could have included some grant for maybe five hundred dollars and then a, a rent bank. And the province decided to go this route, and that's their prerogative. So it's five hundred dollars for three months, and I believe it's per household. I, I'm sorry, I don't even know for certain today, as of today. But nevertheless. Absolutely. It, it's going to help renters in the sense that, you know, it's going to demonstrate to them that the province is there to support them. It's also going to demonstrate to renters that they have a responsibility to pay their rent. So it's, you know, I think it's good messaging and good support. The fact that it does, uh, you know, go to the landlord, uh, that's an administrative uh, sort of logis logistical uh, process they elected to do. Uh, and and we we were involved in those conversations and said yeah that makes sense you know uh, so so yeah I think it's it's an important step there's you know in a area like Vancouver um, and there's sunshine is uh, is highly you know, very expensive uh, rents and so there's a huge gap that still will need to be filled. Uh, David, there was uh, obviously from some quarters complaints when the government's program was announced that the money should go directly to tenants. Um, could you explain what the thinking was on that? Because uh, I, I would envision that there could be a gap between it going to rent and it going to possibly other expenses. So for the for the landlord, obviously that would be a big problem. But what what was the thinking behind that? Um, well, I can't speak for the government, but in, in the, on the basis of sort of some of the discussions we did have, I think they were just wanting to. Uh, first of all, the landlord has to also, as part of the application process, the tenant makes the initial application, is tied to whether or not they have qualified for EI or are in receipt of EI, and then the landlord needs to provide some verification. So I think they were just looking for sort of a, you know, they want to do this as quickly as possible, they want to make it as streamlined as possible, but they also want some checks and balances. There's a significant amount of money, a taxpayer money involved here, so so they want to have some integrity in the process, and, and I don't think we could fault them for that. And uh, yeah, I think they, they also wanted to make sure this was, uh, they were the first uh, province that did this, and I think there's only one other province that has. Uh, and, and so, you know, like I said, a fairly significant investment. They wanted to ensure that it was uh, definitely applied for this specific purpose. There's other programs that they have, the federal programs, et cetera, that can address the other, uh, you know, uh, living costs. So I, I, I think that was the thinking behind it. And to me, that, that's sound. So David, uh, I'm looking here at a, a report that um, uh, that Goodman released, which indicated uh, Goodman Commercial, which indicated that upwards of 50% of uh, the folks that they surveyed were indicating the landlords that their tenants were not uh, paying their rent already, uh, just so early into this COVID-19. 
And the, the, there is definitely a, a prospect there. Some economists are saying that within the next couple of months, our unemployment rate could jump up to 10 12% in the province of British Columbia. Does that give you any concern uh, going into the long term that already 50% of people aren't paying their rent? And then furthermore, that with unemployment being 10 to 12%, there, this may be going on for a very long time. Yeah, I, I didn't see that number. I, uh, although one of my staff did, did highlight a, an aspect of it. I think it was a, a small number of landlords that they talked to. So, you know, I can't... Uh, verify whether that's uh, correct or not but uh, the we've talked to some of our members as well at this juncture and uh, it's you know what it's this it's really hard to tell at this point in time I think that's the best answer I think it's it's going to actually boil down to you know building by building landlord by landlord uh, and uh, but you know we're we're uh, we're seeing uh, uh, some variants, absolutely, where some are seeing uh, a higher proportion of renters paying their April 1st rent and, and, and some not so much. But I think uh, April, you know, we've, we predicted from the, the outset that April, you know, is going to have challenges for our sector, but it'll probably, it's probably going to be May and June that are really the months that are going to be uh, more telling. And to your point about the unemployment rate, uh, uh, et cetera, you know, so we're, there's increased nervousness or greater nervousness around May and June and in particular this I think this is going to go on for a period of time the the, the positive is that you know by then people will have uh, some cash in their in their pockets from the federal and provincial programs and uh, you know so we're, we're hoping that uh, that's going to mitigate some of that but yeah there's huge uncertainty and and uh, you know we're a long way from really knowing the full impacts and uh, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say the, the impacts are going to be quite negative for everybody. I'm, I'm wondering, just to follow up on Daniel's question, uh, two things. One, could it be that a lot of people not having been in receipt of any federal money are saying, I'm not going to, I know I can get away with not paying one month's rent. And uh, and so I want to see the federal cash in my hand and, and also the, the BC subsidy for, for renters in my hand before I pay anything. Uh, the second part of that is, uh, is landlord BC approaching the government to say, "Hey, it's pretty obvious we need an extension on this program for the the rent subsidy"? Yeah, there's lots of conversations going on. I mean, it's it's whether uh, it, it needs to be extended, uh, whether it needs to be more robust. I think the answer to both those questions is yes. Um, you know, they kind of modeled this on the basis of three months, I guess. So uh, uh, we'll have to just. We'll have to see. There's, like I said, there's lots of conversations that need to happen, and and uh, at the same uh, time, you know, they're you know really hunkered down there. They've got a lot on their plate. They're scrambling. They're trying to, you know, doing the be do the best they can under really trying circumstances. So nothing is perfect, but uh, definitely there's some some issues here that we need to continue to address with them. Uh, we would hope to, you know, do that successfully uh, before May 1st, but uh, we'll have to see. And then, like I said, we're also thinking beyond May 1st, we're thinking of, okay, when this all uh, ends, you know, whether it's three, four or five months from now, that, you know, how how is our sector going to, what's, what is it going to look like and how do we move forward? And again, as I've mentioned on more than one occasion here, it's like, it just it would not be fair or equitable to expect our sector to, uh, you know, uh, have this 
put entirely on our backs. That just uh, would not be fair. So, so um, and it would be hugely detrimental. I mean, it would. Uh, this is we're part of a housing system let's understand this and, and again going back to the number of small landlords and this is not just unique to british columbia it's across canada and these are all mortgage holders on single family homes uh some of them maybe investment condos what have you but nevertheless this is a uh, there's a lot of uh, leverage involved in this and uh, there's a lot of vulnerable people and so you can see you know uh the entire entire housing uh you know, uh, universe really suffer hugely uh, in terms of a, you know, worst case scenarios, a major collapse that helps no one. That's going to have huge, huge economic issues. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it's we're all in this together. And, and if the housing, uh, you know, uh, system, uh, you know, collapses, it's not going to be good for mortgage holders or renters. Uh, and and uh, David, uh, I happen to be one of those folks who owns an investment property. We do rent it out, just uh, full disclosure um, for those who are listening and watching. So uh, I, I come at this from a very personal perspective as well, but maybe switching gears a little bit off of the COVID into the other crisis we were dealing with and that Bill and I were talking about before the pandemic hit, and that was around insurance rates. And the fact that, uh, mm -hmm. for example, that our, our property our insurance rates were going through the roof and uh, all these additional costs that were being uh, passed on to essentially the, the folks who own the condominium. And then with with uh, rent controls in place, there's no ability for the obviously for the landlord to to pass any of those costs along. That situation, I'm assuming, has not gotten any better in the last few weeks. We're just not hearing about it. Is there any update that you can provide to uh, our, our viewers, listeners in terms of what's happening with insurance rates uh, in B.C. and beyond? Yeah, that's, I appreciate you asking that question because it's a great question. It, it actually very much fits into the whole COVID-19 issue as well, because here's the other thing, uh, you know, whether you're if you're operating a rental property, whether a building or a single unit like you have, your your costs have not stopped. You've, you've got all the costs associated with keeping that unit or that building operating. And a, and a big one is definitely insurance. So nothing has improved on that front. Nothing has improved. And. I don't see anything improving. This is that is a, a whole other issue, and who knows? It may even become worse because of this. That, well, that, that's a yeah. That's, that's a real possibility. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what a I was possibility. And I, I'm no insurance expert, but you know, I know in, enough about you know how we got to where we we are in the, in terms of these huge increases in, in rates, deductibles, etc. And uh, this is not going to help the situation. I'm, I wish I had better news. No, David, that was going to be my follow-up question uh, is around the fact that uh, so many people are now right now claiming insurance for loss of income. I mean, the insurance sector, we haven't even begun to imagine the kind of claims that they're going to have. And if we thought it was bad prior for, for condominiums, I can only imagine uh, getting out of this pandemic. Uh, what the insurance industry is going to face and what landlords are going to face in terms of those additional costs. So interesting point. Yeah, yeah. that's a great question. Thanks again for raising it. Well, and as a Strata Council owner, as opposed to uh, a big landlord like Daniel, um, <laughs> I, I've also been Strata Council president uh, and seen the insurance rates go up both uh, on our, our building as a whole and also personal. I, I can't, as you say, I can't imagine any good part coming out of this crisis that would actually alleviate insurance costs. So uh, I think it's going to be another uh, another issue which we'll tackle uh, 
but I guess it kind of draws my attention, being uh, on the social democratic side of the fence, uh, to the importance of government right now as we see the, the pandemic going on. And uh, obviously, uh, groups like yours and, and the members you represent, uh, renters, major businesses that are facing crisis, uh, you know, we massive unemployment. We saw uh, a million Canadians apply for EI. Um, how do you see the role of government going forward? Because obviously there's some tension there uh, between your members yeah. and government at, at different times. And you mentioned the rent control issue, but it looks like all of us are going to be a lot more dependent on government uh, than perhaps we'd like, and certainly for the foreseeable future. Well, I should say, I mean, we actually have a very positive relationship with the British Columbia uh, government and work uh, very closely with them and have helped them make some real positive changes that have you know, impacted renters and really, you know, we're good for the broader sector. Um, that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the case that every landlord agrees uh, with what I just said, but that's, you know, I think overall, you know, we were in a pretty good spot. Um, and until this this all happened, uh, I think, you know, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot actually. And, and you know, it, it's we are where we are in terms of what the federal government has done, and the provincial government has done, and provincial governments for that matter. And and so it's easy to be a you know a, a, you know a, a, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. It, it probably would have been really nice. The feds have. Th three things to worry about during a pandemic, obviously the health issues, the, the medical part of it, but the other two issues they really only need to care about when you think about it is, you know, that their citizens have food and shelter. And in some respects, you know, it would have been great, I suppose, if the provinces and the feds quickly talked or there was this a pandemic strategy where we're really, you know, the if you're looking at what's happening here, the issue is there's no cash in the hands of people who need it. And so I think I wish the feds had gone to uh, to their uh, to CRA, look at everybody who filed a tax return, figure, you know, figure out some threshold and just started sending cash. And, you know, that would have, I think, uh, been really helpful. Um, it would have negated the need for this moratorium on evictions. I mean, I think the system would have continued running and that everybody would have understand the understood their responsibilities, but they would have had the money to, to do that. And that's, that's where the anxiety is. And, and it's been, you know, as, as a consequence, uh, it, it's, you know, renters are, are hugely stressed, you know, landlords. I mean, it's just, it just, I just wish it had unfolded differently, but like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think important lesson to learn. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that unknown economists or people way smarter than me that will f do a post-mortem on this and hopefully we'll, we'll be better prepared next time. But, but that, that I think is the bottom line issue here is that we've created a situation where their cash isn't in the hand. The programs, there's actually, they're actually pretty robust, but they're confusing. The application processes aren't uh, in, in, in force. Service BC, uh, service uh, Canada workers are not in the office. So there's all these complexities. And then, uh, and and so you know, everybody's understandably really anxious. Uh, so you know, we need to we need to get cash in hand for these folks. And then, and then because of the eviction moratorium, and, and you know, I, again, I get it. Everybody, uh, government was you know under huge pressure, and this is a crisis. But you know, they need to 
they need stronger messaging around uh, everyone's responsibility to do their part. And that means that renters who have the capacity to pay or they need to pay their rent. It's, it's this, this, otherwise, this is all going to come crashing down and no one is going to be a winner here. David uh, Hadniak, on that note, uh, thank you very much for uh, showing up uh, and participating in our dialogue today. David is the CEO of Landlord BC, a very good spokesperson, uh, really laid out some of the key issues that are facing the sector. And I really want to thank you for taking out the time. I know it's a very stressful time for your members and for so many people throughout the community. So thanks for coming on and helping to explain a little bit more of some of the challenges that your members are facing. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And, and really, I, I want to reiterate, like we truly are in this together. And, uh, you know, our, our goal here is to continue to be to be, a, 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 you know, a, a productive uh, solution driven organization with government, uh, because that's that relationship is really important. We need to work together. But uh, we also continue to impress upon our sector. Landlords need to work with their tenants, try to find solutions and renters you know equally they have a responsibility here to to come to the table and and everybody needs to do their part and you know we'll get through this it's uh it's going to be interesting to see where we end up uh it's going to be very different than, than it was before this happens but i appreciate the opportunity thank you very much thanks david okay. thanks so much for coming on and uh, we'll be right back bc poly talk thanks harbor air for supporting the show it's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Daniel, that was really interesting. Uh, we haven't talked to anybody from the landlord side in this business as we go through the COVID-19 crisis. And pretty clearly, David Hanick from Landlord BC has uh, a lot on his plate and a lot of worries to have with all of the, as he put it, uh, mom and pop owners who have uh, one suite, perhaps a basement suite or a, a cottage suite in the backyard who um, have renters who just can't make the rent. No, and I think that that was probably, I can only imagine in the back rooms of government, that was something that was uh, on their minds around the moratorium on evictions, because if you impose a moratorium on evictions, it's not just the big landlords with these big uh, towers full of apartments, etc. It's actually a lot of people who have uh, someone in their basement and who's paying rent and that's helping to pay their mortgage. So. I can only imagine that the provincial government must have really struggled with this one and they were trying to come up the middle with a bit of a compromise by putting in the $500 subsidy. But, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, there are going to be people who will, some will take advantage of it uh, in a negative way and others will take advantage of the program because it'll help actually make ends meet. But I can only imagine based on what he said that there are a lot of people behind the scenes who are extremely stressed at the prospect of uh, 10 to 12% unemployment uh, uh, businesses, you know, I heard Bill yesterday, I think it was the, the head of the, the Restaurant Canada, um, Mark Van Schelwitz, uh, indicate that something like 10 to 15% of all the restaurants are not simply going to open up again. They just simply will not be able to do that. And that's a lot of people out of work for a lot longer than, than the pandemic. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think probably for me, the biggest takeaway, Daniel, was when David said that uh, not only do they want to see this program extended, but they want to make uh, the amount of money being paid to renters or loaned to renters uh, by the government uh, quite a bit higher? Because we know $500 won't rent you a, uh, a studio in Vancouver or maybe even in Westminster where you are. Um, that's, it's kind of like a, it's certainly helpful, I'm sure, uh, that renters appreciate that and landlords appreciate that, but it isn't coming near covering the cost of uh, a two-person family with a, a mom and dad and two kids. 
uh, or whatever the configuration, social configuration is, a four-person family isn't paying 500 Yeah, and he also hinted, he dropped a little bit of a hint in the discussion there, I'm sure, again, around the discussion they've been having with the province around whether or not it's for a single individual within the home or if you have a, a young couple are both eligible for the $500. I think that's still at play at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's an incredibly stressful time for him. And then as as you heard me ask him around the insurance rates as well, I mean, layer on the stress of the insurance premiums and then the COVID and everything else. Um, you know, he, he, he kept emphasizing in the interview, we're all in this together. And I think he's right. I think that if we if the ecosystem, the rental ecosystem collapses, it's going to hurt both renters and tenants. And it really is um, incumbent upon the government to work with the landlords to make sure that uh, the system stays intact. So post COVID-19, we're not left with a mess that we're going to have to fix for the next uh, decade. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And of course, uh, you know, I think renters are generally, as, as he said, responsible and understand the landlord's position and that. Um, but if we had uh, mass evictions and mass defaults of, of renters, you know, it would have an economic effect that would be devastating even beyond what we already have now. So so it was an interesting conversation and uh, we're glad that David was able to join us remotely as we do all our BC Polytalk shows remotely now and uh, we keep trying to improve the technology. So. Uh, we're working on that, and uh, we want to thank all of our listeners and all of our viewers for joining us once again on PC Polytalk. We'll see you next week. See you next week. And remember, you can find everything at our website, bcpolytalk.ca. You can also chase us down on Spotify and iTunes for podcasts. You can find us on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find links there. You can go to YouTube and see the show.